at the end of the month, I need two numbers out of that inventory system. And once you give me those two numbers or I log in and pick them out myself, I make one journal entry into the financial system and we're good. So having all of that connectivity that is opening up the the two systems to be commingled and corrupted possibly, it's just a huge risk. Welcome to Profit First Nation, the official podcast for entrepreneurs who are operating their businesses in the zone of permanent profitability. I'm Mike Michalowicz, the author of Profit First, and now here's your Profit First Nation guide, Daniel Mulvey. Welcome back to Profit First Nation, my entrepreneurial friends. Today we have a super special guest, and that is Cindy Thomason, a mastery level certified Profit First professional, as well as the author of Profit First for e-commerce sellers and the author of Motherhood, Apple Pie, and All That Happy Horseshit. Welcome to the podcast, Cindy. Thanks, Danielle. Super good to be with you. I always love to chat with you. And, uh, you know, in addition to being uh, an author and a speaker, you also um, are the founder and owner of BooksKeep, which is a uh, financial services advisory firm for e-commerce sellers, as well as providing um, financial services and support as well. So we chatted a bit before we dove into this episode and um, wanted to kind of zero in on inventory. So whether you're an e-commerce seller or brick and mortar store, you know, inventory can be the boon to your business or it could be the bane to your existence. So, um, and, and it, it, it plays prominently in your book, Profit First for e-commerce sellers. Um, why don't we dive into that and kind of give us your, 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 your thoughts and, and your stand when it comes to profit to inventory. Well, I, I titled the uh, chapter in the book Inventory Insanity because it really is the thing that makes our clients a little crazy. And um, one of my first e-commerce clients, Mark, uh, when he came to me, he was just so frustrated because he didn't have good books. He was um, in the fitness space, so he was trying to order all his products for Q4 and, uh, you know, be ready for Christmas sales and then the New Year's resolutions and have enough product on hand so that when the manufacturers in China shut down for Chinese New Year, you know, there's just all of these moving parts with inventory that you have to, you know, you have to try to figure out. You have to figure out how, how, when to order, how much and how it's going to get to you and, and there was plenty of challenges uh, to go around. And then we hit COVID and, and everything just got to be even more complicated and challenging. And it's starting to settle down. But inventory is still uh, the biggest challenge that people that are selling products is, is what they worry about. It's, it's either, you know, worrying about having too much of your cash tied up into inventory that's not moving or having um, enough inventory on hand so that when people are ready to buy, you're fully stocked and able to deliver to them the product that they're looking for. So it's a huge game constantly for people that are in the products business. 
And so I think, you know, right there, right off the bat, um, if you are an e-commerce seller or a brick and mortar store, you know, you need those five foundational accounts to profit first implementation, income, profit, owners pay, tax, and operating expenses. But um, if you have inventory, then you need to have an inventory account as well. Um, and and Cindy, why don't you explain how the inventory account functions um, in, 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 in allocation day or, or how you kind of net out your cost of goods before you do your allocations from income? Yeah, much like um, businesses that have, um, you know, like a construction company might have materials and subs that they take out. It's kind of along the same lines. Basically, your inventory is the thing that makes you money. And so you want to be sure you protect that, uh, um, that, those funds so that you can keep feeding that inventory machine. So what we recommend is when you, you know, are at your allocation day, um, you look at what's in your income account and you figure out what, uh, over time you can figure out a percentage. But if you're just getting started, you just want to look back at your cost of goods for um, the last couple of weeks. And if this is what it cost me to sell those um, products um, that I've got the revenue for, I want to set that money aside so that I can replenish and be ready to buy again. And so that's the simple way to do it. After you've done it for a while, you'll start to see, okay, my inventory is running about 30%. So I always want to move 30% over. And if you get sophisticated with it, then you can start to even break out things like shipping into a separate account, possibly. Or um, if you're sending something through customs and you've got a whole agency dealing with that, you may want to set up, separate out um, some of those specialty items like shipping and customs. Um, some of our clients have even had licensing agreements. So based on the inventory that they've sold, they're going to owe some money to somebody else. So we'll even pull out um, the licensing cost. So inventory is just at the center of so many things. And what you want to do is just be sure you're setting aside the cost to replenish that inventory down the road into a, into a bucket that you're not going to turn around and spend on something else. Because for our clients that have just one checking account for everything, what happens is Parkinson's law is working in our brain and we're saying, "Woo, look at all of this money, not realizing we're going to have to buy inventory next month and a bunch of it's going to go out the door. And the trap is people spend that money, then they have to buy inventory and then they have to borrow the money to pay for that inventory and margins are just super razor thin, at least in the e-commerce space. And there's having the money to then pay back uh, interest and service a debt is really takes a, a chunk out of your margin. So set it aside, keep it sacred over here in a separate account. And then you're always set to refund your um, replenish your inventory whenever it's time to buy again. Yeah, you're exactly right. You know, I mean, it's tempting, but, you know, assuming debt to buy inventory is very, very dicey because um, there could be a lot of factors at play that could delay that the ability to churn that inventory and get cash to, you know, pay off the debt that you paid for it. And those interest rates, especially if you're using a credit card um, to sort of 
finance uh, inventory can really just absolutely annihilate your margins and such. So, you know, the thing about profit first is when in doubt, add an account. The more accounts you have, the more clarity that you have about what is the cash purpose in, in the business for, for this pile of cash. And so, uh, you know, again, like the book says, materials and subcon- subcontractor expenses comes out of the total sales. And then what's left is your real revenue or your income number. And that is what you do your allocations from. Um, you know, if you're selling through, through Amazon, they're usually taking care of sales tax. You might also be selling through some other platforms that take care of sal- sales tax. But if you're brick and mortar or you have to handle the sales tax yourself, you want to also have a dedicated sales tax account as well so that you can peel that money off because that is not your money. And (laughs) that is one that you definitely don't want to be tempted to accidentally dip into as well. So, um, you know, when, when we talk about about margin, um, you know, it's really a return on investment. You are investing in inventory um, at, you know, uh, $100, hoping to sell it at $200, um, which would then give you um, a, a return on inventory. Uh, why don't you walk people through calculations and let's, let's kind of dive into understanding, you know, what, what good return on inventory is and, um, um, and really kind of how to manage that in your business, because typically uh, most businesses will have um, d- different different return on inventory percentages. There's there's a number of metrics to pay attention to um, in, in with inventory. And so the return on inventory, return on investment, that's simply taking your uh, your profit um for that product or, you know, all your products and dividing it by the cost of that product and multiplying it by a hundred and you get a percentage point. Um, the, the challenge I see when people apply that broad brush is that they're, they're thinking all their inventory is created equally. And, and generally it's not the, the, biggest opportunity we see with helping our clients is to really look at what the profitability is by product, understanding each product's profitability. And typically, typically you have some real winners and then you have some real dogs. <laughs> and a lot of times those real dogs are the, the first product that you ever created or there's some emotional attachment to it. And what's interesting is it's not just a profitability concern. It's a cash flow concern. And this is where profit first really um, can shine a light on this problem. If you've got a, um, a, an item, an inventory item that, that you sell and it doesn't bring a good return on investment and it's also slow to move, you can tie up a lot of cash on that particular product and and not have the cash to put onto the, the products that are performing well. So we think it's really important to do a deep dive, understand what the product profitability is truly from looking at numbers and, um, and get rid of those that are just not performing well and focus on the ones that are so that you've got the cash to, to plow back into keeping that item in stock. Um, I know for brick and mortar stores, there's 
lost sales that happen when you don't have products. Um, for online stores, you lose your place in the rankings and it's really hard and takes a lot of dollars to get built back up. For people that are, um, you know, own brick and mortar stores, if your clientele comes in on a regular basis and you're out of stock, they start looking to figure out where else they can get that product. So there's a cost for running out of, um, running out of inventory. So, Making sure that the dollars, the cash is available to fund the things that are going to give you a good return and are going to move fairly frequently. If not, that return needs to be even, even better so that you can afford to keep it on your shelf a little longer. Um, the, the other metric that I think is important to pay attention to are inventory days. How much stock are you keeping in hand and how long is that going to last for you? For clients that we see with just really small number of inventory days, they invariably run out and that's, that's a cost to them. So in addition to the ROI, pay attention to your number of uh, inventory days and that really will help you to understand uh, how to get better equipped at ordering um, sooner so that the, so that you can kind of keep a consistent level of inventory days. Yeah, so those inventory days are kind of a function of replenishing that inventory. Um, and so, you know, depending upon where you're getting that inventory is, is, you know, flexible and such, or, or it could take longer if it's coming from overseas and such. But, um, you know, you mentioned having some, maybe some SKUs that are, that are dogs, let's just say, um, things that are not selling. Um, it's cash tied up in the business. What are your recommendations for, you know, kind of zeroing in on those dogs and, 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 and how do we release those dogs? I don't know what the proper term would be. Um, but, 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 but get the, get the cash out, um, so that that money can be used, uh, for better investments. You know, it, 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 um, once you've identified them and you realize the cost that they have to your business, once you can quantify that, then people pretty quickly can see the light and, and they're, they're like, yeah, I, I didn't realize the impact this was having. So doing the analysis to truly understand that that, that is tying up your cash and it's not performing. That's the first step. And then once you see it, then you, then you can figure out the best way to deal with it. I've had clients who, who had like, um, products that, uh, were perishable and they decided just to pull them off and donate them to, to a food kitchen or something like that. Um, we've had clients that, um, uh, made deals in to send the products to someone who bundled them with other things. So they gave them a wholesale price just to get them out of their hair and get some cash back. So there's a variety of things you can do uh, to get rid of those products. Um, it, it just really, once you've identified in, um, what they are, what they're costing you, then you can then you get creative about, okay, how can I get something back out of this? And and the product still be beneficial to someone else and, um, and not continue to add up cost. You know, for e-commerce sellers, things that stay on the shelves too long go into long-term storage fees. So you start racking up heftier fees the longer something sits there. So you, you know, <laughs> you're wanting to mitigate getting into that uh, penalty box, so to speak, with having extra fees charged to you. 
Yeah. And I mean, you could even get creative too and challenge yourself about like, okay, you know, how can I get rid of 50% of this, this dog inventory in a week? And then, you know, I might take more of a haircut on that. But then if I give myself a month, then I can, you know, get rid of the other 50% at maybe a little bit better of, of a margin, but still you're, you're, you're getting the cash out of that inventory so that you can make those, those better investments that will return a, a better return on investment. So, um, what, um, what else do you kind of see when it comes to inventory and challenges that, uh, that, that e-commerce sellers or brick and mortar stores face? Well, I, I think we've alluded to it earlier and that is the, um, that all of the, um, if all of the cash is in one bucket and not using a profit first system, then you really don't understand your inventory cash flow. Once you separate it out, there's, there's a benefit of starting to learn how inventory cash flow is different from your operating expenses and that cash flow. People, people talk about cash flow as if it's, you know, painted with one brush and it's all the same thing, but it's really not. Um, your inventory cash flow will, will have these big spikes and then these big troughs where, you know, I have to order a lot and then there's this lag and then it comes in. And so that, 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 uh, flow is real, um, real sporadic. It's hard to, to kind of get your hands around. But if you watch it over time, you'll start to learn that there's a pattern to it. But if it's always mixed together with the operating expenses, then it's harder to see where that pattern uh, exists and how it exists. Operating expenses um, for most businesses are pretty steady. We've got our monthly rent and our monthly payroll and our monthly insurance. And in those over time, our expenses have gotten more and more set up to where people pay for them monthly. So it should be pretty steady monthly operating expenses. Um, that pattern is, um, is predictable in a very different way than your, than your inventory. So I think that's one thing. It's just really starting to understand the impact, uh, inventory has on cash flow and it's, it's pattern is very different than what operating expenses are. Um, the other thing that I think people don't always equate, especially in the e-commerce space is how the advertising dollars are spent and how that relates to inventory. It's almost like we've got people ordering inventory and then we got a marketing group ordering uh, our ads and we may be advertising for something that um, we're not going to even have enough stock of in our normal um, sales flow. So, you know, being sure that we connect the dots between our advertising spend and our inventory and that we're not adding additional dollars and expense to the business advertising something that we're not going to be able to, um, to deliver um, in a timely manner. So keeping those two things uh, connected is really important. 
Well, also too, um, you know, just making that, that, that correlation between what are, what are we promoting and do we have enough to, 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 to meet the need to, to sell with regards to inventory, but also too, the, just the overall expense of the advertising, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's cutting into the, the margin or the return on investment, um, for what you're selling. We recommend, you know, on a whole across, all the industries that um, subscribe and listen to Profit First Nation, uh, getting a 6x to 10x return on marketing or advertising dollars. Is there, do you kind of follow the same rule of thumb in, in the e-commerce space or um, is it a function of you have to actually spend more um, to make those sales? And so you're, you know, you're happy with a four or five X return in e-commerce sales on advertising expense. It really varies by product and by whether what channels you're selling on. Um, I have had some clients that have done remarkably well. Um, they've gotten tremendous mileage out of appearing on Shark Tank. They cannot get product in an, soon enough, and um, they sell out within three minutes of when their products hit hit their website. Um, They don't spend anything on marketing. (laughs) And then I've got clients who, um, who are constantly um, trying out different, um, different ads, different um, platforms, different channels, just trying to figure out what is going to move and, and they get it figured out and then something shifts and that's not the thing anymore. You know, it is, I'm just like, I really admire these folks in marketing because they have the hardest job ever. Um, but I think that the thing that if I could encourage folks to pay attention to is just the return on their advertising spend. Because I think that it's called a media efficiency ratio. So if you just simply take the dollars that you are spending on advertising and divide it by the revenue that you are getting in, you'll start to see what that percentage is. And there are so many numbers floating around from... um, from folks in advertising that will tell you, you know, I got this much engagement and this many conversions. And and there are numbers just as, as if, you know, um, they're telling this story that's going to result in lots of dollars in your pocket. And in reality, the dollars are going out the door. And one client, I remember we were seeing him spend so much on advertising and, Finally, he, he stopped and paid attention. We kept saying, are you watching your ad, advertising dollars? There's some real, um, they're really gone up. We're not seeing the payoff in your sales. And he would say, oh, no, I got a buddy doing that. And it's, um, it's my reports show that it's going great. Well, after six months, I, I just said, okay, let's get on a call because here's what's happening. You've spent $200,000 on advertising your revenue has gone up $50,000. So $150,000, I don't care what other reports you have, this is causing me a lot of concern and I hope it's causing you concern and I just want you to see it at this big picture level. So, you know, I, I know that there's a lot of data around advertising and I think 
I think that's wonderful and it can give you a lot of insights, but don't lose sight of what it's actually trying to do. And that's to increase your revenue. And if you don't have a good media efficiency ratio, and that's going to be dependent on each business. It's something you need to look at and track over time. When you see that number starting to to decline, then you need to talk to your advertising agency and say, something's changing. We need to switch something up and and just be on top of it. And it's not a complicated calculation. Um, but if you're paying attention to that, in addition to all the other insights they're sharing with you, you can be sure that you're accomplishing your ultimate goal, which is driving more revenue to the business. And if you couple that with when you're ordering inventory and and what you're trying to move, then then you're really starting to create something powerful. You know, I mean, I think that's a such a such a common thing of, you know, well, I, I trust these people. These people are the experts. I'm going to just let them do it. Um, but it's it's not their money. And so they're not going to be as judicious with with your money as you would be with your money. And I've seen, you know, in, in working with, uh, with businesses, regardless of, of, if they're, um, uh, you know, selling a, a physical product, um, it could be a construction company, a, a general contractor, et cetera. Um, and, and, and the advertising and marketing dollars are just like, it just, just flowing out of the business. And, and that is an expense that, um, you know, if it's not producing a return, that's, that's your profit going out the door. Um, and I've seen astronomical numbers like you, you know, of, of just inefficiency with, with spending. And, um, so, if anything, you have to add that to, if you're spending any money on advertising and marketing, you have to add that to one of your top, um, metrics that you are constantly monitoring and you really can't just trust the advertising agency, the marketing guy, et cetera, because as long as they're able to debit that card, um, or whatever, uh, you know, they're, they're still going to, they're going to take that money out and they're not going to hold themselves necessarily to a great return. You have to do that. You have to own your advertising dollars and, and, and make sure that you understand that it's producing the return that you need. So little, yeah, uh, I'll get off and, my soapbox right now. <laughs> no, we're, we're on there together. And, and, and the other piece of it is even if it's not in the, you know, in the toilet, like this one client I described, what is the potential? Because if, if you've been at some, um, some steady state for a while, what can be done to boost that up? So um, I think it's, it's the kind of metric that you look at. And when things look normal, we're like, okay, this is all within normal range. But with advertising dollars, you need to be looking outside of that. You need to be saying, okay, what can we do to continue to get growth here? And, um, and because just because something's gotten predictable doesn't mean you've gotten all the potential out of it. So I think there's another option to also look at, well, what else can we do here, even if this is looking pretty steady? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, if 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 advertising dollars are putting you into the red, which I've seen, it's like, oh, you know, why why are my numbers negative here? And it's like, well, because you because you're spending too much and you're making yeah. too little, you're spending more than you're making um, is going to put you in the red. And oftentimes, you know, a big portion of that I've seen, you know, marketing be 80 percent of, of 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 a company's operating expenses. And and that's what 
what pushes them into the red because they can't afford 80% towards marketing expenses. So, um, you know, uh, I know that you talk, um, it's, you know, very specifically in the e-commerce industry and you speak all that language and such, but I, I, I think you also have a really great point when it comes to inventory management systems and tying them to, uh, to your, your accounting system that you're using. Um, and wh- why don't you share with everyone, uh, your take? Cause I agree wholeheartedly with it. <laughs> well, I-, I think you may be talking about keeping the two things separate and, yes. um, um, yeah, there's in, in our world, there's just, uh, and I think it's in the accounting world in general. So I don't think it's just e-commerce related, but there's this, um, belief that, if you can integrate everything into your QuickBooks or into your zero account, your life is going to be so much easier. You're not going to have to touch everything. And, and that just sounds wonderful. <laughs> and, but the problem is as soon as somebody on the warehouse floor books something incorrectly, and it could go the other way. Maybe the accountant puts something in incorrectly. As soon as you do that, you have you have corrupted two systems. And our belief is keep those two things separate. They're doing two different things. Um, inventory management is, um, is a huge lift for any business. I mean, to get that figured out within their business with, um, within a system is huge. Honestly, at the end of the month, I need two numbers out of that inventory system. And once you give me those two numbers or I log in and pick them out myself, I make one journal entry into the financial system and we're good. So having all of that connectivity that is opening up the the two systems to be commingled and corrupted possibly, it's just a huge risk. And it's it's not that much of a benefit um, to the business to get their good, good numbers. You need to have good numbers in your inventory system and you need to have good financial numbers. And, and the intersection of those, uh, two systems is two numbers that, um, that we need at the end of the month. So the, it's, it's just not that big of a lift to, co- to try to connect them. And the, the risk is huge. And I, I feel like, um, uh, and, and the other piece of it is as soon as you start to have data in two systems that are trying to mirror each other, then you're constantly trying to figure out which one's right and which one's wrong. And, and talk about rabbit <laughs> rabbit holes that you can go down. I mean, you can start chasing data and, and never really get to a, a satisfactory conclusion. So if you've got an inventory system, keep Keep that up. Have the people that are responsible for inventory make sure that's working well. Have your financial people worrying about the financial system and let the two of them talk at the end of the month, share their one data uh, set of data and, and you're good. Yeah, exactly it. Because it's so much easier to, to reconcile when they're disparate systems instead of tangling it and, um, and making giant knots and then trying to untangle it all and find out where the error occurred. So, um, that is awesome. Um, it goes a little bit against, you know, what, um, what all these platforms are trying to sell you about seamless integration and this, that, the other. But, um, you know, having our own ERP system as well and, and trying to bring on an, an e-commerce component to it, uh, was, you know, um, 
Oh, we were sold a bill of goods by our ERP, you know, and it just, it just wasn't going to work. Um, and, you know, but they, they acted like everything works and it, it, it really didn't. So, um, it is wise to keep all of that, um, in, in independent disparate systems and just share what, what needs to be shared, not, not everything to mess it up. Uh, Cindy, so, E-commerce, uh, or excuse me, profit first for e-commerce sellers is available on Amazon. It's uh, how else can people get in touch with you, and what's going on in your world? <laughs> well, um, I'm at Cindy C Y N D I at bookskeep.com. Uh, our website uh, bookskeep.com is full of information. You can go there and and look for resources. I do a lot of videos and a lot of. Um, uh, uh, blogs just about the topics that are important to uh, folks that are in the e-commerce space and uh, in the accounting financial side of things. So, um, so yeah, I would love to love to hear from folks. Be happy to help them out. Um, the website will show you that's kind of a DIY section. And I've had clients tell me I did everything on your website and then I called you. And then I've had clients tell me, I looked at that. I'm like, there's no way I'm doing that much work. I'm, and so they called uh, immediately. So, um, check us out and, and if we, um, feels like something that, uh, um, would make sense for you. We'd love to chat. And, you know, without naming names, um, Cindy has worked with some of the most successful e-commerce sellers out there and such. Um, so she really has just a depth of knowledge and experience, unlike any other, uh, I think, bookkeeping and financial consulting firm in this space. So, uh, so make sure that you check out, um, Cindy and join her community at bookskeep.com. Thanks so much for joining us. If you would like to work with a certified profit first professional accountant, bookkeeper or coach like Cindy, then you can connect with our fellow profit first professional certified bookkeepers, accountants, and coaches by going to ProfitFirstNation.com and clicking on contact. And there you will be able to connect with us. Cheers to another profitable day, my entrepreneurial friends. Thanks for tuning in to the Profit First Nation podcast. We hope you found today's episode valuable and that it's inspired you to take action towards achieving permanent profitability in your business. If you want to learn more about how to implement Profit First in your business and connect with a community of like-minded entrepreneurs, be sure to visit us at ProfitFirstNation.com to download our how-to guides and resources. Remember, permanent profitability is within your reach, and we're here to support you every step of the way. So let's do Profit First right together. First Nation website related podcasts and videos are provided for general information purposes only and do not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Visitors should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional.